I want to talk to you today about God in life's transitions. God in life's transitions. How many of you have been through transitions in your life? Uh, Maybe we don't use the word transitions. We use the word change, don't we? And uh, if you're like most other people, we don't like change, do we? Uh, Most change is something we, we try to avoid. We like our routines. We don't like those messed up. I was telling Brent, Brent told me I had to preach fast this morning because he was hungry. And uh, I said, you're telling me, I woke up this morning and I got all ready and then I realized I didn't see Kathy anywhere and she had gone back to bed. She's sick. And I said, so I didn't get breakfast this morning. Poor me. Uh, But it's a routine that we have and it just threw the routine off. I could have made my own, but I didn't think about it. But um, we like routines and we don't like change. It kind of messes with us. And so I want to talk to you about a God in life's transitions, because we all face them. Uh, some of my favorite verses of Scripture deal with God's leadership in our lives. How many of you know that God directs our lives? He directs our paths. In fact, Psalms 37, verses 23 and 24 have always been great verses for me. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. And so God guides our steps. And even when we stumble, we don't completely fall. He holds us up. He picks us up and keeps us going. Psalms 48 and 14 said this, For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even unto death. And aren't you glad God is our guide? Uh, He keeps us going even unto death. So he'll guide us as little ones that you saw walking out to junior church, and he'll guide us through life and all of its transitions, all of its changes, and all the way up to the time when they enter us into the grave, God will be our guide from start to finish. And he'll guide us right into heaven one day. Aren't you glad for that? Uh, One day when we reach that, that shiny shore, he'll be waiting for us. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, I've always loved. He says, trust in the Lord with all thy heart, Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and what? He shall direct thy paths. God is our guide. But wouldn't it be nice if God just kind of kept us on a straight, smooth path with no changes ever? Wouldn't that be great? No ups and downs, just all ups, right? But we know that life's not that way. We have changes that we face. And in today's text, we're going to find a big change taking place in the nation of Israel. Moses has been leading the children of Israel out of Egypt, and he's leading them to the promised land. But Moses dies, and Joshua is now about ready to take over. That is a pretty major change in the plan. It was a change for the children of Israel, and it was certainly a change for Joshua, who has been a behind-the-scenes type character, a second man, if you will. And all of a sudden now he's leading all of these Hebrew children into the promised land. So that's a major change. Let's begin reading Joshua 1. Look at verse 1. It says, and the death, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. This was one of those moments of, now what do we do? I mean, when you think about that statement that he makes, he says, Moses, the servant of the Lord, was dead. And so Joshua is now in charge. Have you ever had a time like that when things change so drastically and you said, well, now what do we do? You know, maybe, uh, maybe that time in your life is maybe you've raised your children and they've all left the nest. And maybe you've sat there 
kind of scratching your head and say, well, I, I spent my whole life raising these children, feeding them, clothing them, sending them off to school, making sure, and now they're gone. Now what do I do? And some of you say, I throw a party. That's what I do. <laughs> They've left. Or, or maybe you've retired from work after years and years of routine. Or the Carl Jackson recently retired, and I got to think he probably gets up at the same time every day that he used to, and he hasn't, he hasn't slipped into those baths. But what do you do when, when all you've done for the past 30 years is one particular job, and, and you've just, that's been your life, Monday through Friday or whatever the days were, and now you're retired, now what do you do? Buy a Mercedes, buy a Corvette, right? <laughs> Amen. Or what do you do when you've received a pink slip at work? You've lost your job. And on the way home, it just kind of strikes you, now, now what am I going to do? Now what am I going to do? Or as a student, maybe you failed a test or failed a class, and you needed that class. Maybe you needed it to graduate. Maybe you needed it uh, to get a certain GPA in order to get the scholarship you needed to go to the school that you wanted to go to. And, and for some reason, whatever reason, it didn't work out, and you say, now what am I going to do? Or you think about mom and dad at home waiting to receive the report card, and you're thinking, now what am I going to (laughs) do? Or maybe you didn't get into the school that you wanted. Not every student gets to go to the exact college they choose. Some have dreamed of going to a particular school, and for whatever reason, maybe they weren't accepted there, or maybe the finances weren't there, and maybe you've said, all my life I've dreamed of going here, and I don't get to. Now what do I do? Or maybe a relationship has come to an end. Maybe something that you figured would be a lifetime deal, and it's gone. Maybe that boyfriend or that girlfriend that you just told, I'll love you forever, only to realize it was two or three weeks. Or maybe it was a long-term relationship, and it's come to an end, and you say, now what am I going to do? Now what am I going to do? Or maybe you get bad news from the doctor. You ever had those conversations with a doctor? Hopefully you haven't, but if you have, you've been there, haven't you? When the the doctor says, well, here's the results of the test, and they begin to explain to you what is going on, either heart or or maybe a a disease of some sort or cancer, and and you just kind of go and sit in the car, and you say, now what am I going to do? Or you say goodbye to someone you love. You walk away from a graveside, a funeral home, and in the quiet of your home, you say, now what am I going to do? That's kind of where Joshua was. Or maybe you've had just these big plans in life, and they have all failed. And you say, now what am I going to do? You see, that's the position that Joshua was in. Moses has been leading them. This was the dream. As they left Egypt, he would take them to the promised land. And all of a sudden, it says, Moses has died. And the question is, what are we going to do now? And the message that I have for you this morning is don't fear, don't worry, don't panic. I want you to notice some things about God in life's transitions from this passage of Scripture. The first thing is this, is that God has a plan for us. Even when we're shaking our heads saying, what am I going to do now? God is in control and he has a plan for us. In fact, if you were to trace Joshua's life back and go into some previous passages of Scripture, you'd find in Exodus chapter 17, God was already preparing Joshua to take the lead of the nation. Long before Moses had died and long before we came to this passage that we're in today, he was preparing the way for Joshua to make what he needed to get done. Listen to Exodus 17 and 14. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. 
So God was already having Moses write things down and record them and share them with Joshua, promises that God had made. And he says, you share these with Joshua. You see, God knew that Joshua would need these things one day. He knew that Joshua would be in that position one day. Joshua probably never dreamed of being there. It was one of those moments when he said, now what do we do? Moses is dead. But God knew and God had a plan. In Numbers chapter 27, it says, Moses spoke to the Lord saying, let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be a sheep that have no shepherd. Moses is asking God, God, we need a leader. And specifically, we need someone that's going to lead them so they're not lost as sheep without a shepherd one day. So the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Make him stand before Eleazar the priest and all the congregation, and you shall commission him in their sight. You shall invest in him with some of your authority that all the congregation of the the people of Israel may obey. And we'll just stop there, but you get the point that God has said Joshua is going to be the man, and you lay your hand on him, and you invest some of your authority in him. You, You prepare Joshua, Moses, for what lies ahead. Maybe Joshua didn't expect that day to come, but God did. And God has a plan for our life. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, it says, Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. God had a plan for Joshua. And every one of us need to understand this morning that God has a plan for your life. And if you and I find ourselves in one of these situations that we open the message with, something that has fallen through or something that has fallen apart or a big transition or a big change in our life, before we go and spend too much time shaking our heads saying, now what am I going to do? Know this, God has a plan. You weren't, you may have been taken by surprise by it, but God wasn't. There are many things that take place. In fact, let me share with you a wonderful verse of Scripture, and you may know it, and you may even have it memorized to heart, but if not, listen to Jeremiah 29 and 11. God says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. God has a plan for you. Whatever today holds, whatever tomorrow holds, whatever this year has in store for us, make no mistake, God has a plan. And that understanding will guide us through some of the toughest transitions of life. Change is difficult, isn't it? We'd like for things to stay the way that they are right now, but they might not. But that's okay because God has a plan. God has a plan. Secondly, not only does God have a plan for us, but notice that God speaks to us. It says after Moses had died that the Lord spoke to Joshua. You and I need to understand that God speaks to us too. That even in the toughest times of life, if we'll listen, God will speak to our hearts. If we'll tune our ears to Him, we'll hear what He has for us. In those moments when we're not sure what to do or where to go, listen for the voice of God and He will speak to us. When we ask that question, and it may be those questions that we never expect an answer to, when we say, now what am I going to do? Listen from heaven and see if you can hear the voice of God saying, let me tell you what you're going to do. 
Let me lead you. Let me guide you. Let me direct you. Hebrews chapter 1 opens and it says this, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. Through him also he created the world. You see, God has always spoke to man. God has always talked to man. God has always made his voice known to man. It may have been through the prophets in times past or different manners, but ultimately it came to Jesus Christ coming to this earth that God has spoken to us. And God continues to speak to us. He speaks to us through his son, Jesus Christ. He speaks to us through his word. Many times the reason we struggle through transitions and changes in life is because we're not spending time in God's Word where we can listen to what God has to say to us. It's these transitions and changes that should drive us to the Bible, that should drive us to this holy book that we possess and cause us to open its pages and dig deep and cry out to the Holy Spirit saying, God, speak to me through your Word. Bible says that it is alive, that it is real, that it is sharper than a two-edged sword, that it pierces our souls, and it is able to discern the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's the Bible that we possess. And sadly, many times we leave it sitting on a shelf somewhere rather than opening for us. Men are notorious, aren't we, for not reading in directions. Not reading instructions. We're so excited about what we've got that we open the carton and we throw everything aside and and we begin the process until our wife finally slows us down and says, hey, wait a minute. Read the instructions. But I fear that many times we're all guilty of that when it comes to life. Because God has given us the instructions, hasn't He? He's given us direction. He's given us guidance. He speaks to us through His Word. How many times do we sit in quiet and and we open our Bible and we just read and and all of a sudden we hear God speak to us? One of my favorite routines on a Monday is to just find an alone time and uh, no phone and no music and no TV and, and just to open up the scriptures and a journal and just begin to read and wait for God to speak to me. And I have found that when I take that time and I get alone and I open his word and I take all the distractions away, he has never failed to speak to my heart through his word. It's there, but we need to listen to it, don't we? He speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. Jesus did not leave us when he departed and went to the Father after the resurrection. He said, I'm going to send you another just like me, a comforter, the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is with us all the time. The Holy Spirit is the one who convicts us when we have sinned. The Holy Spirit is the one that nudges us when we need to do something or reminds us. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. You ever had one of those moments where you just had a feeling, we call it, that you should call somebody and you did, and it just happened to be the exact right moment that you needed to call them? I got news for you, that wasn't just a feeling. If you're a child of God, more than likely that was the Holy Spirit speaking to you. This morning, maybe you just felt a, an urgency to be here in church. Maybe, maybe you were tired. Maybe you're worn out. Maybe you even got a touch of sickness. And, and boy, the flesh was saying, just stay home. Just relax. And, and yet, something pushed you to be here. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to us. 
Or maybe you were involved in something, doing something, participating in something, and and all of a sudden this feeling came over you that said, you don't need to be here. You shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be saying this. It's more than a feeling, isn't it? It's the Holy Spirit. He speaks to us. He speaks to us through nature. In fact, the Bible says, doth not nature teach us? And and we can learn a lot about God from nature. David described the heavens and the stars and the universes as declaring the greatness of God. He speaks to us through people sometimes. God puts people in our lives. Solomon said that if we're wise, we'd surround ourselves with a multitude of counselors. And the fool will go without those counselors. God puts people in our lives, and we should be careful to listen to them. 1 Kings 19 and 12 says that God speaks to us, maybe not through the earthquakes and maybe not through the great winds or the storms, but sometimes he speaks to us through a still, small voice. John Owen, the Puritan preacher, said this, Scripture is the believer's rule, and the Holy Spirit is his guide. God speaks to us. Let's continue in our text. He says in verse 3, every place, he's speaking to Joshua, every place, Joshua, that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, he says, Joshua, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. So he continues in this process of guiding Joshua through this transition, through this change. And did you notice the words in there? They kind of stood out three times. The phrase similar to this, giving them. Three times he, he makes mentions of that. He, he says in one passage, uh, he says, I, I've given you this land. In another, he says, I am giving you this. In another, he tells Joshua, go ahead and take them and divide the land that I have promised to give to their fathers. There's a precious principle in there for us that that we sometimes, we have God's blessings in our life, but maybe we haven't taken full possession of all that God has for us. Maybe we're just timid and maybe we're not allowing God to lead us to greater things. We need to follow God. So God has a plan for us, and God speaks to us, and now we find that God keeps his promises, don't we? Notice that he said, just as I promised Moses, I'm going to take you to these places. Aren't you glad we serve a God that keeps his promises? We live in a world, don't we, where promises broken are more common than promises kept. People make commitments that they don't keep. People make, people make promises that we count on, that we depend on, and we're sorely let down sometimes. But God keeps his promises. And amazingly, he keeps them not just to me, but he keeps them from generation to generation. He says, Joshua, just as I promised Moses, I'm going to continue this work in you, and you're going to claim this promised land. Numbers 23 and 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and he and will he not do it or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? And the question there is basically, have you ever heard God say something that he didn't follow through on? 
He says he cannot lie. He does not lie. He says what he means. He does what he says. God can be trusted. He keeps his promises. It's through God's wonderful promises that we're saved, isn't it? That we're saved and that our sins are, brought, uh, are done away with and that we're brought into a right relationship with God. Second Peter says this about the promises of God. It says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. And what he basically said is He has given everything we need to live a holy, godly life through Jesus Christ. And then in four, he says, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. God keeps his promises, and because he keeps his promises, we can have victory in our lives. Just as Joshua would be able to claim the promises that have been given to Moses to march into the promised land, you and I can count on God's promises to see us through to heaven, to see us through to godliness. God has a plan for us. God speaks to us. God keeps his promises. And then in the passage, we find not only these things, but God is with us. In whatever transitions we face, in whatever changes that we're about to go through in this life, God is with us, and that should be reassuring. Whatever the change that we face this week, know this, God's with you. It's not like he says, you're going this way and I'm going this way. God says, we're going to make a change here, but it's okay, I'll be with you. That's reassuring. Notice God's words. He said in verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. He says, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. That's a great promise, isn't it? Man, if I was Joshua and I had had this change in the direction and change in course of my life, and, you know, I go from being maybe a a general or a warrior to being the leader of a nation, and God would come to me and says, I'm going to be with you. I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. That would be comforting. But you know what, brothers and sisters? God has given us the exact same promises. Listen to Hebrews chapter 13 and tell me how similar these are. He says this. He says, let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. So he begins describing us living out our Christian life. Treat each other with love and show hospitality to strangers, knowing this, that some have actually entertained angels and didn't even know it. They were just being hospitable. He says, take care of those who are in prison and those who have been mistreated. Isn't that the Christian life? He says, let marriage be held in honor among all. And let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Live this godly, holy, righteous life. Verse 5, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, and here's this promise, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. You catch that? 
the same promise that he gave Joshua during that transitional point in Joshua's life is the promise that he gives you and I as we begin living the Christian life. He says, this is what you're going to do, and this is how you're going to live, and you're going to keep yourself free from from immorality, and you're going to stay free of of coveting things, and you're going to live this life, and and we may live this, and this is all so different from the way the world lives. But God said, and it's okay, I'm going to be with you. I won't leave you, I won't forsake you, and because of that, we can have courage to go forward. And in the Great Commission, we find the promise also that God is with us. Matthew 28 and 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And then what does he say? And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. God is with us. And so we, as we come to life transitions, those times when we may say, what am I going to do now? Remember, God has a plan for you. God speaks to you. God keeps his promises. And God is with you. But the text goes on. Let's finish reading what he spoke to Joshua. God continues. He says, only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have not I commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, And do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I wanted to include that last as we close, because not only does God make these wonderful promises to us, he's with us, he speaks to us, he keeps his promises, he has a plan for us, but there's some responsibility that we bear in all of this. And in that passage that we just read, this finishing portion of this scripture, let me give you three things that we need to do as we go through life. One, we need to be strong. We need to be strong. And you say, I'm not strong. In Christ, you can be strong. The strength that he promised Joshua wasn't his own strength. It was strength that was based on his relationship with God. It was strength that was based on the promises that God had given him. It was strength that was based on him being obedient to God's word. And you and I have that strength also. You can face whatever life throws at you if you'll just know that he's with you. If you'll know that he has a plan for you. If you'll stay in God's word. If you'll live for him. Then you can have the strength to face it. There may be some things that we dread and that we we fear out in the future. But we shouldn't fear. We should depend on God because when we are faced with those things, he will be there with us. So he says, be strong. And then he says this, be obedient. He says, you take the book of the law and you observe all that you find in it. You be careful to observe every portion of it. He says, be obedient. We have no right to have this courage if we live disobedient lives, do we? Even as children, as we grew up, we knew that there was cause for fear in the home when we were disobedient children, didn't we? And we need to understand that we have a God that loves us so much that Hebrews says the Lord chastens those he loves. 
And so there is fear and, and there is a feeling of condemnation. There is this shame when we're not living right. So he says, be obedient. Do according to all the law of Moses. And then third, part of our responsibility in all this is to be focused. To be focused. I love the phrase in there. He says, do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left. We need to be focused. Through life's transitions, through life's changes, stay focused on God. You know what happens? Things come on our path, don't they, that distract us. I saw the other day on, I forget, it might have been Highway 198, one of these signs, and, and it said, texting and driving is a $161 ticket, and it says it's not worth it. And the reality is, you know, it isn't worth it, is it? The reason is because we're not focused on the road, we're focused on this. And probably if we were asked how many of us have ever been distracted while driving, and had a near miss, every one of us would be guilty. Or maybe you've been distracted and you didn't have a near miss. Maybe you had a dead-on hit, something. Distractions get us. And you know, in our Christian walk, there are things that pop up that distract us. We begin looking at other things. We begin looking at other people. We begin looking at situations around us. And they distract us. They take our eyes off of God. Last night, I went and saw the movie, The Son of God, and it was an interesting movie. It was a good movie. I'd recommend it. But uh, one of my favorite scenes in the movie, and one of my favorite stories in the Bible is as Peter steps out of the boat to walk on the water to Jesus. And Peter walked on that water for a while, but he began to look, the Bible says, at the waves around him. And when he took his eyes off Jesus and saw the waves around him, the Bible says he immediately began to sink. Why? He was distracted from Christ. And there will be things that come in our lives that distract us. And it's interesting, he says, don't turn to the right hand or to the left. Don't turn to the right hand or to the left. And in my mind, I think there are good things and bad things that can distract us from serving God. There are some things that are perfectly okay, not sinful, but if we're not careful, they'll distract us. And then there are other things that that we know are wrong, and yet they still distract us. We need to stay strong stay obedient, and stay focused on Christ. One of the greatest promises that we have is the hope of salvation. It is there for us. We must come to Jesus for it. We must come to Jesus for it. And once we do, we've got to keep on following him. Listen to Hebrews 12. He says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And then in regards to focus, he says this, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. The King James reads, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He says Christ is our example. And you know what? Christ came into this world, and wasn't he focused on the mission that the Father had sent him on? Nothing distracted him. He pushed on, and thank God that he did. Because he went all the way to Calvary, and he died on an old rugged cross, not for sins that he had committed, not for anything that he had done wrong. He died for your sins and for mine. 
And now he calls on us and he says, let's run towards Jesus just like he ran. Let's stay focused on Jesus. And the reality is so many people you hear turning away. And usually it's they turn away because of somebody or something that happened or their feelings were hurt or someone didn't do something. But I never heard anybody say, I turned away and I left church because of Jesus. Never felt it. They focused on him. They focused on him. Through all of life transitions, they focused on Jesus. Maybe you're going through some right now. You're going through difficult times, and and maybe you just need to call out to him. Maybe you need to tune in and say, I know that he is still speaking. I need to take the time and listen. Maybe this morning you're here and and you've been going through all of this alone. And this morning God has said, it's time for you to take your eyes off of your problems and put your eyes on me. Maybe it's the day that you need to receive Christ as your Savior. Dear God, we thank you so much for this day. Father, we thank you for all that you do for us.